How many of you have appreciated the previous two sermons on healing and demons? I thought they were excellent, excellent. Well, I'm going to be talking to Christians today. If you do not know Christ as your personal Savior, you can still listen in. If the Spirit speaks to you about becoming a Christian, there are many people here who would love to pray with you when we're done. Before I go to prayer here for this presentation, I want to acknowledge that I really feel like I'm on sacred ground. The things that our pastors say from this platform changes people's lives. Some people come into this church and they don't know Christ. And they find Christ here. Others of us know Christ, but we need to be encouraged. We need to be lifted up. And so I really feel like I'm on uh, sacred ground. And it's kind of a uh, humbling feeling. Lord, as we get into what I think that you asked me to bring today, I would ask that you would anoint me to do that. I would ask also, Lord, that you would anoint those who are here to hear what I have to say. Lord, may they not be distracted by their phones or by getting the lawn mowed this afternoon and what they've got to do. But Lord, that you would give each of us just time out from our busy world to spend the next few minutes focusing on you. And I ask that in your precious name. Amen. Next slide, if you would. I guess it's up front here, too. In the Christian life, it's not how you start that matters. It's how you finish. That is such an important principle. It's not how you start that matters. It's how you finish. As I begin this sermon, let me give you some advice on successful living. Stay true to Jesus. Stay true to Jesus. Make sure that you keep your heart close to Jesus every day. It's a long way from where you are today to where you're going to go. Okay? Now, what do I mean by that? Well, there's some of you here who are young, and maybe you've got 50, 60 years until you breathe that last breath. There's others of us that only have 40 years left. I've probably got only 10 years left or less. We don't know when that last breath is. Three weeks ago, I went to family camp up at Hungry Horse, and where I have a cabin, and the first opening sermon was by a friend of mine by the name of Ken Ross. Three weeks later, he died of COVID. Last week in Deer Lodge, a friend by the name of Tim Olson preached Sunday morning service. Wednesday, he died. We just don't know when that last breath is. Next slide. The truth is that Satan is in no hurry to get you. But he's watching for that crack in your armor, that little indiscretion that you make. And then he'll go after you. And he'll set trap after trap after trap, bait after bait after bait, until he weakens your relationship with Jesus. You've got to remember that. You remember what Tim talked about last week? Tim talked about we're really kind of unaware of the demonic world that's around us. Well, it's real. And Satan's looking for that little opportunity to come in. And that's why I entitled this sermon, Finish Strong. Now, I'm not saying that uh, you lose your salvation if you don't finish strong. But you could. You could drift away far enough that you finally deny Christ and, and, and no longer save. But that's not the point. The Bible is full of people who did well and didn't do well. 
Samson didn't do well. Solomon didn't do well. They got derailed by foreign women. I don't know if there's a message in that or not. David was a man after God's heart, but he got derailed with Bathsheba, and his family became very dysfunctional, if you read the word. But there are examples of men who did great. Samuel, 11 of the 12 disciples, Paul, Elijah. You can finish well, but you have to purpose. Next slide. Here is a staggering statistic that I researched the other day. Research shows that only one out of 10 who start out in full-time ministry are still in full-time ministry by the time they're 65. One in 10. Now again, that doesn't mean that they aren't saved. Maybe they decided to change occupations, but I assume that most of them when they went into the ministry, intended to stay there. I don't have research for people like you and me, but if one in 10 pastors make it to 65 in their chosen profession, how well do we do as Christians? You see, I believe all of us are in full-time ministry. This church believes in the priesthood of the believer. We're all in full-time ministry. Now, how can I say that? Next slide. This is out of Matthew, and it says, Ye are the salt of the earth. And, give, and go to the next slide. And then this one here says, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. We are to be people who reach out to the lost. Now go back to the other slide. But notice what it says is, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. That's not finishing well. The Bible gives us a warning that you might not finish well. I've been in this church 11 years. As I look around, I, I see a core of people who have been here all 11 years. But I see a lot of people who aren't here. This church has a revolving door. Every, every church does. But I see that too many people get excited about Christ. And then a few years later, they're not so excited anymore. I taught, I teach Life Academy here at this church. And in Life Academy, I, I taught about uh, how to study the Bible and the fundamentals of our faith. And I saw some people really, really get excited. But they're not here now. What happened? What happened? Now, in my notes, I say, I got next slide. Go to the next slide and see what it is. I have no idea. Next, next one. Yeah, finish strong. Leave it up there. Why do people get waylaid? Why do people get sidetracked? Well, some get shot down morally. They have an affair or some other thing. They borrow too much money from the company they work for. They get shot down with discouragement. They get shot down by liberal theology. Really be careful about that. Stay with what the Bible says. They get shot down by wanting to fit into the society we live in. The society we live in is not going to be something that's going to direct you towards Jesus. But they're so interested in being liked by people. They get sidetracked by recreation. You know, I got $40,000 in this boat. I got to use it. And when they start that, they're not talking about getting away from Jesus, but there's only so many Sundays in the summer when it's warm. 
And all of a sudden, they haven't been here for 12 weeks. And they're out of the habit. See, it just starts really slow. Satan is very, very patient. Okay? Some get obsessed with making money. I can make twice the money on Sunday if I work that shift. One that's amusing to me, well, it's not very amusing. Some become offended. We live in a, a society that likes to be offended. If you talk in public, it's not very long before somebody says, that offended me. Learn to be unoffendable. I don't think that's a word. I looked it up in the dictionary. Couldn't find anything. <laughs> okay? All of these are reasons that Satan puts in front of you. And if you take the bait, you begin to walk away from Christ. Again, you may not be unsaved, lose your salvation, but you may not be on fire for Christ. Now, I've been a Christian for 50 years, and I can, I can testify to you to the fact that many of the people that were alongside of me 50 years ago are not serving Christ today. I feel very humbled that I'm one of the one in 10 that is still serving the Lord. And I have done it purposefully. Well, if there's an ending, finishing well, there has to be a beginning. Let me tell you about my beginning. I've lived in Deer Lodge my entire life, except when I went to the University of Montana. I came back and taught there for a number of years. As a child, I went to church. My mother insisted that I go to Sunday school. She didn't. She dropped me off. I went to Sunday school. She came back for church. My dad never did go to church. I probably wasn't paying much attention, but in those formative years, I never learned about who Jesus was as a personal Savior. And that's maybe my fault, it may be not. But as I was putting this sermon together, I was thinking about what did I learn from those early years? Well, one time in Sunday school, I accidentally, and honestly, I accidentally dropped my Bible on the floor, and the Sunday school teacher reached over and slapped me in the face. Well, I learned that God was mean and he was hard to please. That stuck with me for a lot of years, because I didn't mean to drop that Bible. I also learned that you can be religious, and it's totally meaningless. Meaningless. You see, in the church that I went to as a child, you were expected to get baptized when you were in the eighth grade. So I went through that process. I got baptized. You know what I got? Wet. That's all I got. Wet. It was meaningless. In the church I went to, they had communion every Sunday. And the elders would come up and they would stand like this, facing each other, four of them, and the communion trays would be here. And they would pray. And every one of those men would get up, and in those days they wore suits, and they would get a little card out of their pocket, and they would read it like this, and they'd put it in their hand, and every Sunday they read the same prayer. They couldn't even figure out how to memorize that thing. They just would say that little prayer, and then they'd put it back in their pocket. And as an eighth grader, I decided they didn't know Christ either. It was just a religious form. Now, they could have known Christ, but that was my interpretation as an eighth grader. After entering high school, I never went to church again. But what I did get out of those formative years was there's probably a God, but I'm not interested in him. But there was a seed that was planted. I also learned that sometimes Christians are weird. You ever been there? I had an aunt that was Pentecostal. And uh, one time I remember this so distinctly. My dad was sitting in his house, at his, in his kitchen, at his table, drinking a beer. And this Pentecostal aunt of mine 
And you got to remember, this was 50 years, 60 years ago, so the holiness movement was around. And she walks in and she sees my dad drinking a beer and she says, oh, well, I'll just go in the bedroom and wait until you finish the beer. So my dad sat there drinking beer, seeing how long he could keep her in there. <laughs> so one of my experiences was that, you know, if you're really a dedicated Christian, you're kind of a weird person. In my senior year of high school, I met my wife, Laura, and uh, she went to church in Avon, so I went to church with her, not to find Christ, to be with her. Her faith wasn't particularly strong, but she was more moral than I am. I was. Four years later, we got married, and because her morality, because my morality was not all that great, when we got married, she was pregnant at the time. And we started going to church again. And by the way, the, I want to tell you about the grace of God. Last Sunday, my daughter, who is the product of that sin that I accept full responsibility for, was here in church. And Tim introduced her to the congregation. And she's been a missionary in Africa for 19 years. God is good. God is merciful. After uh, going to church again, I, I did have a couple of God moments in my life. In the first five years of teaching, I was named Biology Teacher of the Year for the state of Montana, which was unheard of. I was also nominated as Science Teacher of the Year for the state of Montana. Those were goals I had set. I also had two other goals. I wanted a good four-wheel drive truck. And I was able to purchase one. And then the other goal and, that I wanted, uh, and uh, Bart will re appreciate this, I wanted a good-sized bull elk. And I was able to shoot one. Well, I had met all my goals, and I was 27 years old. And I remember hunting one time, and I sat under a tree, and as I was sitting there, I said, there has to be more to life than this. And all of a sudden, God gave me a vision. And I wasn't even expecting it. But God gave me a vision of hell. And I looked down into hell, and I saw people gnashing their teeth and wailing. And then the voice of God said to me, and I'll never forget this, I have more for you than that. That was a powerful seed. But you know what? I didn't respond to that the way I should have. God reached out. You'd think when you had something like that, you'd turn around, repent, but I didn't. I was stupid. So after eight, being age 27 and five years of teaching, one day at student came in after school by the name of John. And he came in and he said, Mr. Swanson, you're a great biology teacher and I'm learning a lot. And I said, thank you, John. He says, but you got a major problem. And I said, what? He says, you don't know Christ as your personal savior. Sophomore in high school. And I said, you know, John, I don't. And I don't think this is probably the place we ought to talk about it. But if you want to come out to my house, I'll talk to you about it. Now, I have a minor in speech and debate, and this young kid came out. and He talked to me about a personal Christ, one you could talk to on a personal basis. He talked about miracles, and my debating skills just crushed him. And he'd go home and prepare and come back another week. And that went on for six months, where this young boy just kept coming out and Oh, by the way, even though I won the debates, every time he left, I felt miserable. Well, one night, uh, I, I, live on, I live at that time on a small farm, a 15-acre place with a few cows. And I had an underground gas tank 
uh, near my garage and, and an electric pump on it. And so I had a lock on it because, uh, you know, you don't want your neighbor stealing your gas. And over time, this combination lock got harder and harder to open. And one night, I couldn't open it at all. I spun it and spun it and jerked on it and jerked on it. And it just absolutely would not open. And I looked up and I said, you know, if you're really up there and you're really the kind of person that John says you are, you can open this lock or I'll go get a hacksaw. And then I added one little word to protect my ego. And I don't care which way we go. And that lock went kaboom and fell open. And I fell to my knees and accepted Christ as my personal Savior. And then I ran back to the house and I told Laura what happened. And then I called John and I said, John, here's what happened. What should we do? He says, start a Bible study for high school kids. So John and I started a Bible study for high school kids in my home. In my home, I had a great big, large room in the basement, and John and I started that Bible study, and some nights we had up to 50 high school kids come to that Bible study. Really made the school board nervous, because we were in a small town there with about 400 kids in high school. So I was introduced to Christ as my Savior through miracles. So I thought that was the norm. Okay? And in the early years of being saved, there was miracles going on everywhere. Let me share a couple of them with you. One night in that Bible study, as we closed, we always got in a circle. And we were praying, and I had a fireplace in that house, and it had a mantle, and the mantle was about as high as this first step. And as we're praying, this girl goes, ooh, boom. And when she fell, her head hit the mantle from a full stand. And I thought, hmm, that's interesting. If God's not in this, this girl's in real trouble. And she laid there, and she raised her hands, and she praised God for 10 or 15 minutes. I didn't particularly know what was going on, but uh, I later learned that's called slain in the spirit. First time I'd ever seen it. So after about 15 minutes, she, she got up. And I said, how's your head? She says, what are you talking about? And I says, well, when you went down, you hit that. We could almost hear a physical rack. And she went, no, no, things are fine. That girl should have got hurt, but she didn't. Now, I don't recommend that, but uh, that's what happened. As a biology teacher, I had a summer class in Deer Lodge that I taught called Field Ecology. And we spent a lot of time in the hills and then one week backpacking. And in this final week of the class backpacking one year, as we were hiking, this girl twisted her knee, and it really blew up. It turned red, and it blew up, and it was really big. And she couldn't walk, so we stopped and made camp. And I was really concerned because I wasn't sure how we were going to get this girl out. And I went to bed that night thinking about, you know, do we have to send a couple of kids out and we get a helicopter or we get a stretcher on wheels? What do we need to do? And the Spirit of God said, pray for her knee and I'll heal her. And I said, God, this is a public school activity. You want it healed or not? So the next morning, and I had no idea this girl was Catholic and I had no idea where she was in, with her faith. So I sat down alongside of her and I said, Cheryl, I think we can fix your knee. Really? Yeah. I'll lay my hands on it and pray. Oh. Okay. So I laid my hands on her knee, and the moment I laid my hands on her knee, I could just feel the power of God rush through me. And I prayed until that feeling left. So we broke camp, and we got ready to go, and I walked back, and I said, Cheryl, How's your knee? She said, look, it's just like the other one. I didn't intend to have that happen. I walked into that miracle. But that's 
living well. That's finishing well. And I think that we can live that way if we want to, if we desire to. Again, don't mistakenly think not finishing well doesn't mean that you have lost your salvation. Next slide. Not finishing, you need to finish strong because finishing strong is living a victorious life. Okay? Well, now you might think, well, he said, uh, I can still go to heaven. Why should I? Why should I spend all that time trying to be the best I can be for Christ? Because a victorious life is better than a boring life. Amen? I have a mentor that in my early years, he was a pastor in Bozeman. And he really was a strong believer in the things of God. And he mentored me, and I grew under his ministry. But... His son told a story that I'd never heard before just recently, and I happened to hear that story. Let me share you, with you how you can live a victorious life. He was in his office studying for the Word, and his daughter walks in. She's 11 years old. She believed everything her dad said from the pulpit. And she walks in there, and she says, Dad, my mouse died last night. My pet mouse died and she had it in her hand. Pray for it to come back to life. Now, how would you like to be in that position? Here's this 11-year-old girl, just very factual. Dad, pray for the mouse to come back, because I like the mouse. So he says, okay. So he took it from her, and he prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed, and he stopped praying, and the little girl said, still dead, Dad, keep praying. So I continued to pray, and all of a sudden, the mouse started moving, and it got warmer and warmer, and then it set up, and the little girl took the mouse and said, thanks, Dad, and she went back and put it in the cage. She had absolute faith that her dad could raise this mouse from the dead. Victorious living, but here's the cool part of the story. A week later, they're having a VBS in the church. And the pastor is kind of in the back row and watching what's going on. All of a sudden, he hears sirens and commotion out in front of the church. So he gets up and quietly sneaks out. And what had happened was a little girl was crossing the street, and she was hit by a car. And she was either dead or going to die. And he runs over there, and he leans over, and he sees this girl covered with blood and he said, oh, God, what can I do? And God said, pray like you did for the mouse. So he did. He prayed like he did for the mouse. And then the ambulance took the little girl off. Well, after the VBS was over, he rushed to the hospital. He rushed into her room. And here she is sitting up in a chair without a mark on her body. Those are the kinds of things that can happen, in my opinion, if we live victoriously for Christ. Like Tim says, can I get an amen out there? Okay. So here's the question. Next slide. What exceptional measures are you taking in your life to ensure that you will be the one in ten that stays with the Lord? Great question, right? Great question. Often, if you're willing to walk victoriously in your Christian walk, God will use you in ways that you will not expect. I remember one Sunday, I was right over here, and uh, this woman comes up to me for prayer. And she says, uh, I said, which I always do, how can I help you? And she says, well, I have a brain tumor, and they're going to do surgery tomorrow, and I want you to pray that the tumor's gone tomorrow before the surgery. And if I had heard the story about the mouse, that would have jumped into my head. 
And I thought, oh, Lord, this is above my pay grade. I don't know that I have the faith to pray that a brain tumor will be gone by tomorrow. So I said, Lord, this woman thinks that you can do this. So I'll tell you what, I laid hands on her, and I prayed, and again, I felt that power come out of me. And I said, Lord, heal this woman's brain tumor in her faith, not mine. Because I'm not sure I can rise to that occasion. But she believes you can do this, just like the 11-year-old girl. So I prayed, and the power left, and I said, uh, good luck. Well, next, the next Sunday, she comes to church, and I say, what are you doing here? You had surgery on Monday. She said, no, I didn't. Just before they did the surgery, they did another brain scan, and the tumor was gone. Wow. So that afternoon I called Tim and I told him the story and he says, you're kidding. I says, yeah, your faith is just like mine. <laughs> but that is what committed living well life can do for you. Now, can I borrow a couple more events out of my life just to try to prove what I'm trying to say? I'm not trying to brag at all, Okay. First of all, stay involved. Too many people are in and out. Now, please understand that I am not working for my salvation. I am saved. But I am working out my salvation. Now, how do I know that? Next slide. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work out with fear and trembling. Well, a number of years ago, I started a Bible study in Deer Lodge for retired men. This Bible study, the qualifications were you had to be retired and you had to be interested in Christ. You didn't have to be saved, but you had to be interested in things of Christ. And we had to meet in a neutral place, so we met at McDonald's. And no pastors could come. The reason I put that in there, have you ever noticed pastors have an agenda wherever they go? <clears throat> Did you know we're having such and such going on this weekend at the church? Well, we had guys coming from all kinds of churches. They didn't need to hear that. The other thing about pastors, they can't quit talking. And I wanted these men to have the opportunity to talk. Well, we soon outgrew McDonald's. So then we moved over to the hospital boardroom. And we were about to outgrow the hospital boardroom. It only had room for about 16 guys when COVID hit. So we switched to Zoom. We never stopped. Those guys got on Zoom, and some of them, it was a real challenge for them, but they did it. And by the time we came out of Zoom and met again, we have 20, 21 guys coming from seven different churches in Deer Lodge. We even have one guy coming uh, from Hamilton on Zoom now. Well, because of COVID, there was no place to meet in Deer Lodge, and I was really concerned about that. and uh, We now meet in a banquet room or the back room of a local bar restaurant. So I can literally say, uh, I got a Bible study meeting in the back room of a bar. And one of those guys, Tom, is here this morning from that Bible study. And I appreciate you coming this morning, Tom. Let me tell you the great part of all that. These guys are growing in the Lord. But when we were at McDonald's, my brother saw my truck sitting at McDonald's, and he said, oh, Gary's having coffee at McDonald's. I'll have coffee with him. Well, he pulls in there, and he walks in, and he sees I'm running a little Bible study, and my brother's not saved. He's not interested. He says, well, I'll see you. I'll talk to you some other time. And he says, no, sit down. So he sat down and he listened, and to much to my surprise, he came back the next week. 
And then he came back the next week, and all of a sudden he was coming every week, and he started going to the Baptist church in Deer Lodge. I couldn't believe it. I'd been praying for him for 50 years. And then about two years later, he died of a massive heart attack. But he died saved. And if he hadn't walked into McDonald's to have a cup of coffee with me at a little Bible study the Lord asked me to start, I think he'd have died outside of the Lord. That's living victoriously. If any of you want to join us on Wednesday morning, you can. We meet at 9.30 in the back room of a bar in Deer Lodge. <laughs> or you can meet us on Zoom if you'd like. Actually, we meet at the uh, Broken Arrow Bar and Restaurant. If you want to live victoriously, join organizations and have a Christian influence. I'm a member of Rotary. Guess who they ask to pray for every meal at Rotary? I don't say, God is good, God is great, bless his food, amen. I try to do a non-obnoxiable, is that a word? A non-obnoxious Pentecostal prayer. I pray for our community. I pray for the guys in Rotary. I pray the speaker's worth listening to. And we have that day. And evidently they like it because they keep asking me to do it. And you know what happens every once in a while? Every once in a while, one of those guys will pull me aside and say, will you pray for me? I've got this problem. That's how you live victorious Christian living. And again, I'm not trying to lift myself up. I've gotten involved in this church. When I came here 11 years ago, I didn't plan to. I left the church that I had been in for 37 years, and I left fairly spiritually wounded. And so I just decided I was going to sit on the pew and just take it in. Well, after a short period of time sitting on a pew right over here, I heard the voice of God say to me, what are you doing? Finish strong. What are you doing? Finish strong. Maybe the Lord's saying that to somebody out here this morning. What are you doing? Finish strong. So I got involved. I taught classes here. I never can remember the name of it. We, we came up with a really clever name that I can't remember, so I'll just call it Sunday School. Yeah, I come to the men's breakfast as often as I can. I've taught small groups. I help Isaac with Abide, which was mentioned earlier. Now I'm on the church council. I attend this church every week. It's a priority to me. If I don't attend, I watch it online. I want to be committed to the things of God. And you know what? I'm growing. That's the thing that happens when you get involved. If you want to grow, be determined to finish strong. Finish well. So how can you finish well? Next slide. What can you do to finish strong? Well, the first thing you can do is start tithing. If you want financial freedom, start tithing. Now, that doesn't make sense, but the word says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you'll not be able to have it around. That's been true in my life. The other day, uh, Isaac called me and he said, uh, we got a girl that wants to go on the Abide Retreat, and she doesn't have the money to do it. And I thought of you. Could you, could, could, could you pay that? I said, well, how much is it? He told me. And I said, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll give $100. See if you can find somebody else. And the moment I said, yeah, I can give $100, the Spirit of God said, very, 
haven't I financially taken care of you? And I said, yeah, I'll cover it. And here's the cool part of that story. The next day, or the day after, a contractor calls me. I have a little company called Go Bird Montana. A contractor called me and offered me a job, and you're going to laugh at this, documenting how often butterflies land on these certain plants on a plot. So, you know, somebody's got to do this kind of work. <laughs> and I said, oh, I don't know. And he said, well, here's what I'll offer you to do it. I only had to do it once every other week. But the amount that he offered me was 20 times the registration fee that this girl needed. And I've had that happen to me time after time after time in my life. You simply cannot outdo God. It was a gentle rebuke and I needed it. Okay? God has blessed me and I forgot to be generous with what he's blessed me with. Please just don't stay in your church. Now, now be involved in the church, but just don't stay in this church. Be a light in a dark and dying world. Run for school board. Back here is the Smith family, and I was so pleased when Bart decided to run for school board, he actually got elected. We need people to be doing those kinds of things. Be involved in PTA. Join a service club, a summer sports program as a coach or a grunt. Contact your community, your county commissioners, and ask them, say, what boards do you need people on? There's always a board that needs people. I serve on the county park board in Deer Lodge, and it's a wonderful opportunity. And even, I'll, I'll put this punch in. I probably shouldn't, but I will. Even pastors should do this. Get out of your church. Don't make your Christian world as small as this church. That makes a church, that makes this church a club. Get out. Be light and salt. We are called to our communities as much as we are called to the church. Let the world know that you are a Christian. I have a friend by the name of Keith Elder, and he loved to play basketball. So he joined a city league in Billings. And you know, in those city leagues, not everybody's saved. And so he's on this team, and often when some guy would try to make a shot and he'd miss, he'd go blankety-blankety-blank. And Keith was uncomfortable with that, and he didn't quite know what to do. And after a couple of games where the guys got to know him a little bit, he, this guy shoots the ball, and he misses, and he goes blankety-blank, and Keith says, hold it, guys. Jesus Christ is my personal Savior. And when you do that, particularly when you use the Lord's name in vain, that offends me. So I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Every time one of you guys swear, I'm going to stop right here in the middle of the floor and praise Jesus. So they'd swear and he'd stop and say, thank you, Jesus. Bless you, God. And he did it in such a way that the guys laughed. But you know what happened eventually? The whole team quit swearing. One time they had a competitive tournament and a guy on another team made a shot and missed and swore and this guy from Keith's team grabbed him and said, don't do that, he'll start praising God. <laughs> so here's what you need to avoid. I've already mentioned this one. Determined to be unoffendable. Okay? Even when you have just cause, just drop it. That's a current huge problem in our culture. Avoid having a critical spirit. There's always something this church is doing wrong. So what? Volunteer to fix it. And if you do volunteer to fix it, don't have the attitude, well, I'm only doing this because nobody else could do it right anyway. I remember the one time I went into Tim and told him a little something I thought was going wrong in the church, and he said, are you complaining or volunteering? I thought that was a great answer. 
Avoid a critical spirit. This is a real trap for older people. Culture's moving on. You don't quite know what the culture's doing. You don't know what a Bluetooth is or any of this kind of stuff. And you get grouchy. You don't like the way the young people dress. You don't like the way they do their hair. You certainly don't like all the tattoos. And if you look around this congregation this morning, where are the young people? Well, some of them are on a retreat. That was a bad, that was a bad example today. But perhaps they don't feel welcome. Now, I'm in, I, I help uh, Isaac on Friday nights with Abide. And there's a lot of young people that come. And I'm amazed at uh, their willingness to listen to what I have to say as long as I don't criticize them. There's a lot of wisdom with age, and these kids will listen to you if you do it in love. The other thing I want you not to do is don't develop a good series of excuses. Well, that's just not my personality. Okay? You were born again. Act like it. Change. Well, you've been trained to speak. I haven't. Well, go get trained. I'm tired. I've gotten older. Who isn't tired? I am. When Tim asked me to preach, I don't think this is preaching. When Tim asked me to be up here, there was just a moment when I thought, I don't want to do that. But you can pray through those things. You know, and if you're really tired and all you can do is struggle and get the church, guess what? You can now enter a new stage of life called intercessory prayer. And you can spend your time at home praying. You know, you could easily spend an hour praying for people. In summary, be determined to finish strong. Now, I want to talk to three groups of people here today. I've been talking to three groups of people. The first group of people I want to talk to are those over 60. Have I described you? Are you not finishing well? Are you kind of mad at the church? You're probably gone and you're not here, so I won't be able to talk to you. Do you not like the younger generation? Have you done your share? Time for somebody else to do it? They wouldn't like it if I volunteered anyway. In a moment, I want to pray for you. Then there's another group of people who are under age 60 and over age 60 who are doing well. I want to pray for you to continue to do well. And then there's a group of people under 60 and the question I want to ask you is this. If you continue on the pathway that you're on right now, will you likely finish well and be one? Or will you likely be one of the nine that drop away? So here's what I want to do. And if you want to join me, you can. If you don't want to join me, you don't have to. If you think the pathway you're on right now is probably going to cause you not to finish well, in a moment I want you to come up here and I, you know, and I want to pray for you. And then if you know that you are on a pathway that you're not finishing well, but you happen to be here today and you'd like to finish well, I want to pray for you. And then there's a group of people here today who are doing well. They're going to finish well, and they have a sense of that. And when these first two groups come up, I want you to come up behind them, and I want you to pray for them. And the Lord might lead you to a certain person, or you can just pray generically for them. So that's what I want.
I don't know if I'm going to get a response or not. It's up to you. Oh, there's probably a, a fourth group. That fourth group of people who thought this was the craziest thing they ever heard. And they're just going to leave and glad to be gone. But if you think you're not going to finish well because of the way you're living right now, would you come up here and I'll pray for you? Doesn't mean you've lost your salvation. It just means you're not walking in that victorious life that's changing lives and you just can't get out there every day to do something for Jesus. If that's you, would you come up? Thank you for coming. It's not easy to do that. It's not easy to do that. Are there others? Are there any others? Some of you who are finishing well, would you come up and we've, we've got six people here and we've got people here who are finishing well. We've got more than six, I know. Would you come up? Here's a couple more. Would you come up and pray for these people? Lord, I lift up these people who have come forward. Lord, they are saying, Lord, if I keep on the path that I'm on, I'm probably not going to finish well. I know that I'm secure in my salvation, but I want to finish well. I want to do the work of the Lord. I want to see people come to Christ. Lord, help me to get into your word and into prayer. Help me have a desire to drop off all of those things that are holding me back from finishing well. Lord, I want to thank you that these people have come up. They've had the courage to come up. It's not easy to walk up in front of a bunch of people and say, you know, I'm not finishing well. I know it. So, Lord, I just pray that you would just minister to them in the next few minutes. Thank you, Lord, for their honesty. Thank you, Lord, for their honesty. You can consider yourself dismissed if you'd like. If you still are sitting there and you'd like to come forward, we would welcome that opportunity to pray with you. God bless you. Go out into the world this week and do the work of the Lord and finish well.